Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. God, we thank you so much for who you are, uh, what you're doing in this place. Um, yeah, I'm just so thankful for this community. I'm thankful for this city. Um, I thank, thank you for your spirit, Lord, being with us. Um, I thank you for the vibrancy that you are creating in this place by your spirit. I thank you for those who are coming fully alive in you, um, who are thriving in their uh, receiving of your love, that they are um, in the place of knowing their identity in Christ, and they're flowing, things are flowing from that, they're um, becoming more like you. Lord, would you make us more like you, God, in this place? Would you transform us? We need you, we need your, um, your spirit, we need Jesus. Uh, we need this community, we need teaching, we need practices that help us um, become the beloved um, today. So, um, yeah. And if you would, uh, if you're someone who prays, and I hope you do, um, would you just say a quiet prayer in your heart? Would you um, ask God to speak to you today? And that you would respond. Would Jesus... Uh, Please have your way in this place. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, well, uh, if you're new with us, uh, welcome. My name is Brian. I'm one of the the pastors here. Um, It's a joy uh, to just honor to have you. Um, We'd love for you uh, to connect to the the GC Connect relaunch, um, some of the tables. If you want to get connected here, that's a great way to do that today. Um, But I want to try to catch you up to speed really briefly of a new series that we just started called Becoming the Beloved. Um, now, I know that that sounds a little like, what is this, a romance novel? What's happening here? Um, no, this is a phrase that Jesus heard from the Father when he started his ministry, um, in which he heard a voice from God that said, you are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. And if that's true of Jesus, if you are a child of God, that is true of you. That just the same intimacy, we, saw, we looked last week at like this sense of laying back on the beloved, laying back on Jesus. Um, there's a little bit of reverb on here, so I don't know if you, you guys hear that. Is it echoey or is it just me? Just me? Okay, cool. Um, sorry. Uh, but uh, so there, there's um, this sense of like falling back on the beloved of Jesus. That's like this sense of posture of being with Jesus. Um, and that's really hard. Uh, we talked about last week because of some internal pulls and forces on us. Um, there's a lot of um, false narratives that we intend to believe, like you are what you do. Uh, you are what you have or don't have, uh, or that you are what others say about you. Sometimes we even believe the lie now, I think, that we are what we feel or desire. Like, whatever it is that you desire, that's it. Like, if it doesn't feel authentic in the moment, don't do it. Like, just do, do you. Um, but, but the truth is, is that we are God's beloved child, that we are um, sons and daughters of him. And then when we, if we're getting our identity on those things, we're always going to be zigzagging highs and lows. We're going to be high if we have things. We're going to be low if we don't. We're going to be high if we have people speak well of us. We're going to be low if we don't. Um, but when we get our identity in who Jesus has made us to be, uh, we thrive. And so I want to talk about three goals of what uh, that looks like. Uh, so if last week was kind of being with the beloved, what we're going to do each week is we're going to introduce one of these, and then in the middle, which is today, we're going to just equip you. So today's all about equipping, okay? So I want to equip you with how to be with the beloved um, through this concept throughout history called spiritual disciplines. Is that cool? Um, and then next week, my wa- lovely wife, Ashley, is going to be teaching us. Give it up for her. 
she's going to be introducing Becoming Like the Beloved, um, looking at the prodigal son. Um, and then we're going to do another practical equipping sermon. And then we're going to, Bam's going to teach on giving away the beloved, and then we'll do another practical equipping sermon. Is that cool? Um, so uh, we pray that this would be just the year that our church is people who know who they are in Christ and that we become more like Jesus. When you read beloved, just think Jesus, all right? So here's the goal. Be with the beloved, be with Jesus, become like Jesus. So that means like we want to just not um, be with him, but we want to actually begin to look like him, be transformed into Christ-likeness, and then give away the beloved to others. But you can't give what you haven't received, right? Um, so, but there's some forces going against us internally, but there's also these external forces, these gravitational pulls I want to speak to that we've got to just quickly address. One is that we live in a very post-Christian culture. Uh, I don't know if you looked around um, lately, but you do not live in a city that worships Yahweh or Jesus or many of those, um, uh, the, many of the sense of who the one true God is. Um, we live in a post-modern culture that's a post-Christian culture. Um, and so that's a gravitational pull that we feel. We're going to naturally be formed into our city's image. Just constantly being pulled, so many messages that we cannot compete. Of all the messages we're going to hear, that's going to try to shape us into our city's image. And then another one is just technology. I mean, guys, these, like, smartphones, um, they don't work for you. They work for someone in Silicon Valley, all right? I just want to let you know that. Actually, the people who design these phones will not let their kids have phones because they know what it does to them. Um, so we just have technology is such a pull on us. It's such a distraction. Um, it's such a, I, I uh, got my phone stolen in San Francisco uh, while we were on sabbatical. Uh, we were at the Golden Gate Bridge, and then, like, uh, you know, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go without a phone. Like, two weeks. It was amazing. I just, like, no phone for two weeks. I was like, I'm on sabbatical. I don't need a phone. <laughs> two weeks without a phone. It was life-changing. Some of you just need a detox, all right? I've already, I, if you want to talk later, I've already done all the research on the dummy phones and different things to do. Um, basically, what, what I'm doing right now is I'm just dumping all my apps into one little bucket, and then that way, I can't just mindlessly pick something. I have to go, like, what do I want this to do for me? I have to type it in, old school. It's helpful, um, but I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm kind of trying to decide if I go to a dummy phone. That's, I digress. Let's get back to the sermon. Um, uh, relational trauma. Um, we are in a place where most of us, are, our parents are divorced. Probably about, I would guess, 60% of us. We, we are in a generation where we've experienced so much um, re relational strife that, that knowing who we are, being with the beloved, um, we have so many other voices that tell us something else, lies that we believe. And then I would just also say the megachurch movement, that this idea of like the church's job is to help you create space to meet with Jesus and become the beloved, for you to become like Jesus, for you just to make space for the Holy Spirit to move in your life, that is like so foreign from our church culture in America. Like most pastors' minds are focused on, let's figure out how we can move cattle, uh, ranch you like cattle to get you through some kind of process and system so we can begin to grow something big and huge and bigger and better and more. You ask most churches, what's your vision? They'll say, wah, 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 but it really is just bigger, better, more. Bigger, better, more. No, yeah, where's the vision that we would be with Jesus, that we would become like Jesus, that we would actually go and give away Jesus to other people? So, so we have that fighting against us. So like we've been trained to sit in church like this, that like if I just come to Sunday passively and just sit here and do my thing, then like I'm following Jesus. No, like you, that's, that's not following Jesus. Like this is great, but this is not the end-all, be-all, all right? So those are some gravitational forces 
from us through those three goals um, that are really pushing against us. And, and just to state this another way, it's just like what we're talking about is you becoming fully alive. Fully alive. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be fully alive in him? You are not a robot that you just move through some kind of like, here, let me give you this template and you do it. No, God wants to set you loose into this world. He wants to set you loose into this world by his spirit so you could be fully alive. So today we're talking about just the really practical, how do we be with Jesus? Um, how do we become like Jesus? Some real nuts and bolts introduction. Another way of saying this is how do we change? Another way of, uh, of saying this throughout church history is spiritual formation. In other words, like churchy word is sanctification, um, kind of a churchy word of how do we become more like Jesus. So how do we become formed spiritually? How do we actually change? Well, we've got to replace false narratives with the, our identity in Christ. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here, just get the intro, get the, uh, go, go to the podcast. We've got to replace these unintentional habits that we've developed without really thinking. We're going to talk about this today, that shape our hearts with Jesus practices or spiritual disciplines. It's not enough to talk about Jesus. It's not enough. Info will not, information will not transform you. Um, information does not change you. It doesn't, you can't think your way into Christ-likeness. I don't care how many podcasts you've listened to, it's not gonna happen, all right? So we can't think our way into this. Right knowledge isn't the same thing as doing something with your life. Um, but now we, I don't know about you, but I, we fall in this trap, like if you've heard it, you think you've done it. Or if you've bought a, I know for me, like I buy a book, I'll tell people, oh yeah, I've read that book, because it's on my shelf. I'm like, I read like three pages, I'm like, no, like, just because you bought the book doesn't mean you've actually read the book or lived it out. So we all have this gap between what we know in our head and what is in our hearts. Um, and so we've got we've to begin also replace being shaped by our environment with being shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we've got to re- completely replace that we are shaped by our culture, we are shaped by our city, to being shaped by the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why this semester, our church, we're trying to gravitate towards how can we begin to do monthly worship and prayer gatherings regularly, we can create space, how can we get together in the mornings to pray, um, we're, we're trying and praying and talking with our leaders to begin talking about how can we just create space for the Holy Spirit, that's what we want to do here, that's our goal this next season, and so uh, we, 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 want, we have to have that space, we've got to create space for that, we've got to replace shallow relationships with covenantal community, covenantal like commitment, by the way, community is a spiritual discipline. Some of you are like, I just thought that was for extroverts. No, it's like a discipline. For some of you, you have to discipline yourself to be with each other. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. But we do all this with the end in mind. That in Revelation 21, it says, I'm going to make all things new. No more suffering, no more tears, no more cancer, no more sin, no more rebellion, no more evil, no more injustice. All things new. And if that's the end, how, I mean, how do we bring that here and now? How do we begin to have it be a foretaste, uh, experience the end now. Because I want to see that happen, don't you? I mean, if we're going to see violence stop in our city, it doesn't happen by strategy, it happens by being with Jesus. You're like, what? Yeah, that's where it all starts. If we want to see sickness decrease in our city, it starts by being with Jesus. If we want to see, I mean, one of my prayers is that we would throw like the biggest party for unbelievers to come and have a safe place to explore Jesus. That's what I, I dream of, just a big, huge parties where Jesus hung out with, with all kinds of people. I want us to do that. That happens with us first by being with Jesus. And nothing's going to happen through us, Missio Day, unless something starts happening in you first. 
There's no such thing as a bunch of leaders strategizing, trying to figure it out. It's all of us individually coming fully alive. Do you want that? Amen. All right, is that cool? All right, we got a couple, one right here on the first row. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Um, so um, how do we live into that reality? So James K. Smith, um, he uses this example. I'm going to quote him a lot. That he, he's, he's all about practices and spiritual disciplines and formation. So um, he, bless you, he, uh, said, he, he tells the story of, like, him and his wife being all into, the, like, the slow food movement. Um, they're reading, like, all these books on organic food, you know, like, Forks Over Knives documentary. Um, they're, they're, they're just obsessed with this stuff, and they're, like, all bought in. And he realizes that he's, like, reading this book on organic food, farm-to-table movement, and he's, like, at Costco eating a hot dog, right? <laughs> and he's, like, why is that? It's because our hearts still love hot dogs, right? I mean, who doesn't? And so, like, we, we have these loves and desires. And so if we want, how do we follow Jesus? It's we have a mind to think with. We have a heart to feel with that enacts the will to change our life or behavior. And then we do that corporately, and then we become a new community that's on fire for Jesus. Uh, but it, it, this sense that the mind to think with, the heart to feel with, the mind to think with, we can change our, our through teaching. That's helpful. Right now, that's what we're doing. It's just still helpful. But this is not alone. Like, we have to, what does with the heart is practices, it's these disciplines, like the disciplines begin to affect your heart. Your habits affect your heart. Um, and so we want to talk about how do we have the formation of the way of the heart. Um, let's just dive into Scripture here. Matthew 7, if we have this on the screen. This is Jesus' last words of the Sermon on the Mount. We talked on this last year. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what church? Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew. It sounds like a children's song. And beat against this house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, this is the very end of Jesus' sermon. Imagine today if I stood before you and we just closed out like this. I said, hey guys, you see this, this right here, these scriptures? Anybody who hears Jesus' words and does them, you're going to become fully alive. But if you hear these words and you don't do them, you're going to crash and burn. See you later. Like, that, that was it. That's Jesus' like, that's his, I mean, like, what a downer, man. I mean, Jesus is though, painting this reality that if we don't put into practice what we hear and do, like, it really doesn't matter. Um, look at uh, James 1. James 1 says this, if anyone is, don't be just a hearer of the word, but a doer also. Anyone who hears and listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and goes away and automatically forgets what they look like. Um, and, and so going away and immediately forgetting what that they look like, whoever looks intently, though, to this, the contrast, into the perfect law, scriptures, uh, or the, the way of Jesus, if you will, um, it, that gives freedom. So if you're going to discipline and practice yourself, the result is freedom. That's what freedom is. And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Um, and go to the next uh, slide, if you will. 1 Corinthians 9, here's like where Paul gets totally like type A, and you're like, Paul, man, drink a glass of wine, calm down. Do you not know that in the race all runners run? Marathon people scream, 
Only one gets the prize. Peter Wenzel, scream. That's one of our guys who just wins all the marathons. Um, Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. That was the big competition of that time. They would come to the the big coliseum and watch these bloodbath boxing matches. No, I strike a blow to my body. Whoa. Make it my slave. Ouch. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's like, man, like I, in this word, like this training word, um, it's this word where we get the word gymnasium. It's like, I must discipline myself. Like, all disciples must have discipline. Uh, but you, you, you have to have discipline to be a disciple. Now, you could be disciplined and not be a disciple, but all disciples must have discipline. Let me go to this next slide. Uh, Acts 20, Paul again. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And then I think we have Philippians 4. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And what's the result of all that discipline? God of peace is going to be with you. All that time spent with Jesus, God of peace is going to be with you. I love this picture now in paints of like this, this, uh, these guys talking about these trees. And he says, you see this tree? He says, you know why it's so tall? You, see, you know why it's so big? It's because it was useless. It was useless. Nobody needed it for, you know, it wasn't a good tree for uh, make a house. And because it was so useless, now it provides shade. Now it provides beauty. That's what prayer is. It's just wasting time with God. <laughs> Doesn't that sound freeing, just to, like, go waste time with God? Some, I know some of you, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit of nods, a little bit of not. <laughs> it sounds freeing to me. I just want to, like, man. But amazing thing is, is when you begin to waste time with God, you become useful. When you begin to waste time with God, he begins to transform your heart, and then you become useful to the people around you. Um, So let me just give you a a definition of spiritual disciplines. Um, There are these practices. Practices is a better word, I think. um, Based on Jesus' life and teaching. So we look at Jesus' life and his teaching, and we go like, I want to go put that into practice. That create a time and space for us to access the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, we will change from one degree of glory to another in image bearers of Jesus. That's what spiritual disciplines are. Now, let me give you just a quick list here, just to give you what I'm talking about. Like, what am I talking about? There's a, you could categorize these a lot of different ways, but I just did it these three. And these aren't, uh, like, an ex- there's no sense of an official list, all right? There's no official list of, of practices, but it's basically looking at Jesus' life, his teachings, his mission, um, and doing those things. Um, one is silence and solitude. These are inward disciplines, silence and solitude. Just, like I said, wasting time with God, being still, um, Prayer is often a lot less about talking to God as it is about just being still and listening. And no, you're not going to hear God's voice audibly every single day, but you're going to sometimes just leave going, I feel peace. Just like Philippians said, I feel peace with God. Um, prayer, the school of prayer, that we, that's what we've been, we're talking about. If you walk away from anything today and you want to have a practice, you're not sure what to do, practice the discipline of prayer. I'm telling you, like, it is the gateway to experience God's power in his presence. It is the one thing that we must do as Christians. I don't know any mature, anybody who I look up to that's a mentor, anybody, 
I don't know any of them who don't discipline themselves to prayer. You, I, I am horrible at prayer. I have the worst ADHD. I have to like write down like 10 notes of all the other distractions that come up. I'm constantly getting distracted. Then I get stressed about being distracted. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm supposed to be praying. But like we have to discipline ourselves. Fasting is the, is the discipline of like saying no to food so we have a hunger for Jesus. Scripture, church, Scripture. Man, like, don't you remember when you just first started following Jesus, you just fall in love with Scripture? May it be so again. Bring your Bibles to church, please. Um, carry them with you. If you need a guide, download the Book of Common Prayer on your app. It gives you, like, a, a plan that you're reading with Christians all across the world. Book of Common Prayer, read that. Uh, read the Scriptures that it tells you to read through that. It's just to help you stay on track with something. Gratitude. Yes, God. Thank you. This is all inward. Communal. Confession, celebration, oh, gratitude twice, it's both. Um, community, community, it, again, if you don't have the discipline of community, come to, come to the GC relaunch, like meet somebody, you know that you're living on an island, which no man is meant to ever live on, or woman, Get jump in. Corporate worship, did you know Sunday gathering is a, is a discipline? <laughs> it's a discipline to gather with the believers. It is. It, but we, we should guard Sundays like Hamilton tickets. It's like, man, the discipline going to meet with Jesus with his people. It's so good. It definitely is going to be better than Hamilton, even though Hamilton's amazing. Um, simple living. Oh, man, so good. Just are you, Basically, we've rebranded this to be minimalist. It's super hot right now. But simple living, this like minimalist living of just like, I'm not going to acquire and consume. I love uh, what I heard um, Bob Goff. He just spoke at the Safe Families thing. I was listening to him talk, and he goes, you know, he, he was a lawyer. He's super wealthy. He goes, for us who have a lot of money, we've got to, like, position our place to, ourselves to be desperate again. Like, in some of it, whatever it is that's distracting you, you've got to, like, position yourself to be desperate so that is no longer a distraction. So I just engage with people and invite people that are messy into my life because I can't control them. I can't. I can't. So simple living. Serving, submission, intercession with other people, hospitality, throw the best parties, secrecy. That means you do Jesus stuff and you don't post it on Instagram. It means you do amazing things for Jesus and you tell no one about it. If, so all of these have like a thing. Like if you're struggling with pride, that's your thing, secrecy, right? So whatever it is you're struggling with, you may want to pick that discipline. So these are just a, a list. Um, now, a discipline is like this, and just a, a regular uh, definition of discipline is any activity you do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that which I cannot do by direct effort. So, like, disciplines, you don't do them for the disciplines. Unless some of you, like, there's like 1% of you that's just like, oh, I love fasting. It's the best ever. Like, I don't know who you are, but leave. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But we don't, do, we don't do the discipline for, no one's in the gym being like, I just want to lift these weights. Like, no, like, no, they produce something indirectly. They produce being buff. But you can't just get buff by going, oh, be buff. Like, you can't just think your way into it. You have to discipline yourself. Um, so we, we, we discipline ourselves so that we can have, so that, let me get into this. Before I get into this, one thing I want to say, just to clarify, if you're new here, or if you're just now following Jesus, um, this, like, you are completely loved by God. These do not change God's love for you at all. You could be a saint like Mother Teresa, or you could be a non, non-believer, and God's like, I love you the same. Like, once you become a believer, he's like, yes, now you have a relationship with me. But he's like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, my love for you is the same. 
He loves you as you are, not as you should be. Now, his desire for you, though, his longing for you is for you to change. He wants you to become more like him. He wants you, but he loves you just as you are, not what you do. I love what Dallas Willard says, is grace is not opposed to effort, but opposed to earning. So this is not behavior modification, but it is transformation, that picture of like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon, just that radical difference. You're still you, but you're completely transformed over a process, a radical overhaul, metamorphosis, that change is taking place. So I don't know about you. I don't know. Does anybody else here want to change? Yes? Okay, cool. I just didn't know if I'm the only one. Just making sure. But honestly, most of our problems are not this. Most of our problems are not this legalistic, oh gosh, like if, I, if I'm spending time with Jesus, am I earning his salvation? Most of our problems is more of like a hedonism now, I think, that we basically have like, oh, I don't, it doesn't feel authentic for me to read my Bible right now. It doesn't feel true to my emotions today. Who, 80% of the time, I don't want to read my Bible. But I discipline myself when I, do, when I don't because I know that transformation is going to come. So you have a part to play in this. In spiritual disciplines, you all have a responsibility. God, though, carries the major part of the load. He carries the big part of it. It's like he's carrying maybe 90% and you're 10. You remember the movie Hitch? Where they're like, you come 90, I come 10. Where they're trying to, God's like, I'll come 90, you just come 10. He's like, and that's, God's like, I'm going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. I'm going to do a lot of the work. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to transform you. That's not your job. Your job is, though, is to, it's your responsibility to create space. That's all it is. Your responsibility to create space. So, um, and the good news is God is moving in on you way more than you want him to. He's already moving in on you way more than you want him to. Do you have the eyes to see it? When, and it's an issue of the heart. Like, do you have the eyes to see? Like, is your heart, is it hardened? Do you have a hardened heart? Do you have a, do you have a dead heart? Big first step today is just being an honest assessment of where your heart is. I love the story of um, Michelangelo. A uh, young boy, there was this guy before him, there's this massive ugly marble just sitting there as an eyesore. They're like, we got to get rid of this. And the guy couldn't make anything of it. And Michelangelo's like, that marble is David. And they're like, what? He's like, yeah, it's already David. He's like, I just have to chisel away what doesn't belong. Like, Michelangelo knew by heart the image of David. And so he could see the image of David in marble. And when you know God by heart, you will see the image of God in the marble. Like, you'll see God everywhere you go if you know the heart of the Father. That's what, that's what this is. It's creating that space so you can know his heart, so you can see him everywhere we go. Now, one, I love what John Orberg says in one of his books. He says, God, this is not about trying, it's about training. That's a very big distinction you've got to make as you press into these disciplines. God is, this is not about trying harder. This is about training. It is about training. Um, imagine like if you, if you were, um, someone came to you today and um, let's say, uh, let's say like someone came to me and it's like, Brian, um, you know, even though you have asthma, you probably haven't ever run before, I'm just going to prophesy a word over you. You're going to run the Chicago Marathon. October 7th, you're going to do it. What would happen if I go out tomorrow and try my hardest to run 26.2 miles? What would happen? This is, this is back and forth. You can feedback it for me. 
What? I'd pass out, right? Mile four, pass out. What else? What else? Get hurt, maybe die, <laughs> probably die. If I had Bam praying and prophesying me along the way, I'd go to mile 12 and then die. Right? If I just go out and try my hardest, I'm going to run this marathon. I'm not going to make it. So how do you run a marathon? You change. How do you train? What do you do? Mile one? Mile two? What do you do? Like, you, aren't you supposed to? I have never done it, actually. So correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't you supposed to, like, add a mile every week to your big run? And then, like, you maybe get a rest. But then every, every week you're just adding an extra mile to your big run. So you can get up to eight, then nine, mile 10, mile 11. And over time, you train. So you have the freedom to run the marathon. You have no freedom unless you train. I have no freedom to get up here and play in the band because I have not trained. Um, I don't have that freedom. That's not what freedom is. Freedom is when we've disciplined ourselves to train and do it over time. The good news is, is like trying to be really Jesus-like, like, I'm just not going to get stressed. I'm not going to get stressed. I'm not going to get stressed. That doesn't work. I'm going to try to be nice to my coworker. I'm going to try to be nice to my boss. That's trying really hard. Training hard is waking up in the day and saying, I'm going to train myself for the next couple of weeks to love my enemies, and I'm going to pray over them. And then I'm just going to live my life. And when you train that way and you spend that time disciplined, then when you, your boss is like, you're a jerk, and you're like, I love you, dude. Because I'm already filled up. I'm the beloved. I don't need you. What's going on? You're like, because you've been process- You've trained yourself. You've trained yourself over time. Um, the habits we have do something to us. So why are these important? Let me just, I know I'm like beating a dead horse, but this is like very just important stuff for us to get into our, our system here today. Um, these are important because, number one, they're counterformational. We need counterformation. We are all being shaped by the things we do. We need counter habits to the things that we do not that do that are not like us. You are being shaped right now by our world. Did you know the CEO of Netflix, he was in an interview, and they're like, hey, are you concerned that like Amazon and HBO are like getting like into your, your field, you know, into your industry, they're getting into streaming? And he's like, no, the market is vast. They're not our competition. You know what our competition is, he says? Sleep. Sleep's our competition. That's the world you live in. That's the world you live in right now. Isn't that scary? Man. Like we are being formed and shaped. Formed and shaped. Look at the Ephesians 4. So we need counter habits. So we need to like put off the old, believe the new about us, and then the, let me show you what Paul does. says with this. Here he gives us beautiful examples. Just does everything we're talking about. Put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, he's saying that there's this old you, this old mind, this old heart, this old will. That's corrupting through deceitful desires. So you need a transformation on the heart. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds starts there. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Now, let me just pause there. So what he's saying is, is like, put off falsehood. Stop gossiping. Stop exaggerating. Stop making yourself look better about your life and curating an image of yourself online when your f- life is falling apart. He's like, stop living out falsehoods. That's not who you are. So he says, stop that. So then what does he say? Let each of you speak the truth instead of that new practice. 
Speak truthful about yourself. Speak truthful about each other. Speak truthful about your situation. Um, and then he says anger. So another example. Be angry and do not sin. Anger is a, a raw emotion that we can't control. Anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. Anger was meant to arouse us to have the heart of God to fight against injustice. That's what anger does. Um, anger is meant to be used for good. Um, but when you, <laughs> that's not the way we're formed. We're formed to be angry, and in, in our anger, we are formed to have unforgiveness, to have bitterness. Um, we are formed to, to, to act violently and control and manipulate our friends and neighbors and loved ones. And he says, but instead of being angry, he said, don't give the opportunity to the devil. Like, the devil's got a foothold on you in that. And he says, and then he gives this last example. Thieves, don't steal. He's like, stop stealing, church. Some of you are stealing, but rather, instead of stealing, what does he say? Put away that and what? Put on a new practice. You need to work hard. Don't be slothful. Don't be skimming off your hours from your, your boss, your work. He says, work hard. Do honest work with your own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So he gives these practices. Don't you see that? We could just go over right. Do you see that? Old thing, new self, new action, ethical, moral change. So what we do, we become. You, who are you becoming right now? Like, what are your habits? Who are, they, who are they making you into? Who are you becoming through your daily habits of checking your email? What's that doing to you? Who is that becoming to you? What, what kind of person is, de- is being developed by the dopamine rush every time you get that like on social media? What, what, the, what, what, what kind of person are you becoming by being a compulsive shopper? of simple living. You are becoming those things. You are becoming those things. Our habits and practices of Jesus get into us, not through our mind, but through the heart. And so um, these micro-disciplines just lead to big macro-impacts. So I, I, I want you to think about your identity in Christ. What are the things that you're doing, the habits you're developing, and how are they impacting your identity in Christ? I mean, think about like magazines you look at. The magazines you look at, the, the, when you get on Instagram, you begin to scroll, ladies, when you begin to look at pictures of these women who've been photoshopped, and you see their bodies, what is that doing to your identity in Christ? What's that doing like, to you being like the beloved daughter of God? Like this, this concept, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase where it's like, someone's like, hey, do I look fat? They're like, no, you're beautiful. That's a horrible thing to say because beauty it is not about your size. That's why we shape our kids, my daughters. We have this liturgy that we say all the time. Hey, Naomi, hey, Cora, where does beauty come from? My heart. Why? Because that's where God looks. And so we, we put off. We put off that. We put on the beloved self so we can then go be instruments and give away the beloved to help other women who are self-rejecting, who are self-hating themselves, and we can begin to be the presence of God in their life. So we, we put off guys. Uh, we, we, I mean, there's, what, the epidemic of pornography. It was like 70% of people, of men, looking at pornography. Like this lie that like, oh, you're just a guy, it's going to be, no, that is a lie from hell. Like we put off the old, Paul says, we, we begin to put on the new. That doesn't have to always be your story, and it starts by awakening to this new vision, and then putting little bitty practices like software that says, you know what, I'm no longer going to be looking. I need accountability. I remember when I was a, youth, a college pastor, I had a college student come to me with like a cord for his laptop. And I was like, he dropped that in there and goes, 
me and my buddy, two of them. He's like, we're giving you these. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, these are accords to our laptops. Why? Well, we met and we prayed and we thought, you know what? We don't need our, we need these to keep us from getting on our laptops at night. So I want you to hold on to them for three weeks. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I just held on to those cords. Like, whatever it is that you're like, you know what? I need a new practice. I've got to take that step of practice to begin to become who Jesus made me to be. Amen? So, um, the goal is not discipline. The goal is heart transformation. Now, lastly, this is, these are matters of curating our heart. Well, listen to what uh, James K. Smith says, and we'll, we'll get closing. Because, because we are what we want, our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity. The wellspring from which our actions and behavior flows, our, our wants reverberate from our hearts. The epicenter of the human person, thus scripture counsels, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Discipleship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart, to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. Discipleship is, a, is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. Jesus commands to follow him as a command to align loves and longings with his, to want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and crave a world where he is all in all, a vision encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. God. So he says the problem is that we don't, not that we don't love, but that we love the wrong things. So our habits give shape to our hearts. So where are you today? Just assess yourself. Where's my heart? And and if you walk away, like, where do I start? Like, start with a discipline of prayer. Start with a discipline of prayer. Take an audit of your time and be like, you know what, for a week, I'm just going to look at where I spend my time. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? Is it to check your phone? Start to begin to take an audit of all your time and your actions and then begin to go, what is forming me and how do I change it? This is going to be, this is the way of the heart. We value, what, what, what value is this? Like if we're trained and equipped people but our heart remains ignorant, like what value is theological education? What value is a sense of like a pastoral attitude or a mystical experience or social activism? What value is it if, if we don't have an inclined heart towards the heart of God. And so we have to discipline ourselves. So we need breakthrough moments. We'll talk about this more later. Like we did last week, we prayed over a lot of you. We need that. That's the starting ground. But we need process moments. We need moments where we process, when we change. So there's no, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but there's no formation without repetition. No formation without repetition. Um, you guys remember the movie 50 First Dates with Adam Sandler? Remember at the very end, and she like can't, you know, she's got the issue where she can't remember anything. And so what does he do? He creates that video. And every morning she wakes up, she pops that video in. And she's like, oh, this is who I am. Like, we need the same thing. This is who I am. We pop the video in. This is who you are in Jesus. Spend time with him, love him, know him. That's the call of her heart. That we would be having freedom. Freedom in Christ. Band, you guys can come up. You guys feel it. You feel it? It's like time to close it down, right? <laughs> I see what you're saying to me. I see what you're saying. It's time to shut it down. All right. Do you guys want this stuff? Do you guys want to change? This is open for all of you. All of you. Not super Christians, not Christians who've been doing it for a long time. Every single one of you, it's available to you. Available to you. This is why John dropped everything and dropped his nets to follow Jesus. Because as he was like, Jesus like, this is a whole new way. Um, all of you are invited to be with Jesus, be with the beloved, become like him. And so my invitation is for you to say yes to Jesus. 
There's four levels of change, psychologists say. There's like the change of the mind, that's the easiest. Change of the heart, that's next hardest. Then change of the behavior, that's even harder. What's even harder than that is change the mind, heart, and will of a whole community. But Missio Dei, God's doing something through, through us, through you. And if we all begin to pursue this together, can you imagine what we'll see? Imagine a community that lives like this together. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you. We ask you to change us. We ask you to transform us. We ask for you to bring freedom today. I want to pray over each and every one of you today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You can have freedom today. And if if you are here and you're like, you know, I need to make a change. It's time to look look at myself in the mirror and make a change. And you want freedom in an area of your life. We just want to pray for you. Last week, we just had a time of ministry time up here at the front. And uh, yeah, we want to keep that going. um, So could I ask you guys all to stand? We want to have some time just to pray over you. Um, if you want to start the process of practicing these discipl- a discipline, practicing something that's going to keep you trained to godliness, trained towards Christ-likeness. If you want freedom this morning, we want to pray over you. So just right now as I pray, I'm going to keep praying, but right now, if you want freedom and you want to start that and you... Listen, you need someone from the outside of you to just be, speak words of your belovedness over you. You do. You need, the, you need a breakthrough moment to start the process sometimes. So first step is our bodies moving, our hearts aligned with our bodies, and just saying, you know what? This is a safe place for me to make a commitment to being transformed like Jesus. I want to take responsibility, and I want freedom. So if that's you, just come on forward so we can pray over you right now. You want freedom. Come on. Thank you. Yeah, all over the room. We're going to have leaders pray over you. God, we pray for those right now that want the freedom of the Spirit on their life. We pray for these men and women that are coming forward. We pray for you that are here in your seats that are still wanting this freedom. Would you just, uh, Holy Spirit, fall upon them? Um, The good news is, is God is not frowning upon you at how well you do this stuff. He's not disappointed with you. He's not frustrated at your trying. He's a God so patient, so loving, that he's like, I just want you for who you are, but I have my desire for for you to change. And if you want to receive his desire for you to change, we just want to pray that set you off in that process and that journey this morning. God, Holy Spirit, would you come and fall in this place? It's your name we pray.